Welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Conversations with business expert authors to learn about the author, their expertise, and to help you find your next read. And now, here's your host, best-selling author and CEO of Influence Network Media, Jody Brandsetter. Christoph, welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. I'm excited to learn more about your book, Is Marketing a Good Career? Before we dive into the book, I want to get to know you better. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah, you know, I'm a content strategist, content marketer, run uh, content, the entire content experience at Vox Pop Me, which is a market research software company. Um, on the side, I write books like this one, Is Marketing a Good Career? It just came out on January 1st, happy new year to everyone. I did that on purpose um, when, when I started releasing it. And, you know, that's kind of uh, me in a nutshell, like to go to the gym, like to work out, like to try to lose weight, not saying I'm successful at it most of the time. Uh, and I, I also blog over at ChristophTrap.com and of course have the business storytelling show, which is a podcast that is on all the different channels as live streamed and also runs on TV, dbtv.tv, if you want to check that out. Fun. We always talk about, um, as a recruiter by trade, it's new year, new career. So perfect timing to have a book about a career change, potentially, um, with the Is Marketing a Good Career? But before we dive into the book, why did you choose marketing and, and go into this, you know, this field yourself? Well, so back in the day when I moved into marketing for the first time, um, it was certainly a different way of working in marketing. I mean, today it's a very different environment, very different, you know, how do you do things? How do you measure success? And at that time, it was kind of the, I don't want to say expected career route, but it was one of the expected career routes of um, journalists. You know, you 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 kind of did your work as a print journalist or even TV journalist, and then you moved into marketing at some point. Um, as we know, the media industry certainly has changed quite a bit over the years, uh, unfortunately. And, you know, we, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole too far, but we do need a strong media. We do need a strong fourth estate in the United States to be successful. Um, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, but at the end of the day, I moved into marketing, you know, worked in the nonprofit sector and healthcare, uh, software as a service, and, and also publishing. So, um, my entire career has focused around how do we tell better stories? How do we stand out? How do we share things that help us be unique and not just the same old gobbledygook that everybody says, you know, we're the best and blah, blah, blah. And we certainly can say that. But how else do you get people to pay attention to you um, on all the different parts of the funnel? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's probably... 20 different areas of marketing since I graduated college or at least focus on with having social media and having um, YouTube and TikTok and all these fun stuff. So, so talk about your book, you know, tell us maybe a, a summary of what someone would expect when they read it. So it really is trying to answer the question, is marketing a good career? And it all depends. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, there's many, many different ways to look at it, but I kind of walk you through them on, you know, first of all, what are you good at? What what can you actually do? Um, and you and it, now in marketing, as you kind of hinted at, there's all these different things you can do. Not everybody has to run a paid advertising campaign. Not everybody has to be the technology guru or whatever. 
Not everybody has to be the writer. Not everybody has to be the email marketer. Uh, not everybody can be the designer, you know, or the video editor or whatever it might be. Even though a lot of those things are getting easier. I mean, I'm a professional writer and I use AI tools to check my headlines, to check my subject lines, to, you know, to assist me. But they don't take away my entire job, um, but they do help me become a better um, professional in those different areas. But really, I walk you through how do you determine what's best for you, where there is a market need, and then what companies you really should target to work for. And you know, when it comes to marketing, I'll give you the example of director of content strategy, which is typically on a marketing team in most companies. But that role has, I don't know, 20 different job descriptions. It depends on the company size. It depends on the worldview of, of the person that wrote the job description. But it's anything from a writer who literally just takes drive-through orders to a content strategist who's maybe a little bit more strategic to somebody who oversees a team <laughs> and somebody who oversees managers who oversee teams. And as you know, as a as a uh, HR professional by trade, um, those are vastly different roles. So you have to figure out um, what do you want to do? Where do you want to do it? What kind of company do you want to work for? Um, you know, is it a big company, a medium-sized company, or, or maybe a startup? There's advantages to all. Uh, but you have to kind of figure that out and then, you know, figure out if your philosophies align, if they have a good team, if you would have a good boss, you know, to round up this this answer. Uh, I, I love the example from Christina Del Valar, who said she worked for a company once and they said, oh, we need 7000 leads. And she says, how did you even get to come up with that number? Like, what's that number even based on? Is it based on the revenue you're trying to create? Because that's typically how you should do it, right? Like, this is how much revenue. Here's how much, how many, how many sales we have to have, blah, 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 blah. And here's how many leads that actually is to get there, mathematically at least. And, you know, it's like you have to figure out, you have to work for the right company that doesn't just throw stuff around and go, we need 7,000 leads when there's 8,000 people in that target market, for example. I love how you touched on that, depending on the size of the organization, depending on the industry that you're in, all of that could be very different marketing. You know, if you are in a very small company, you might have to be that jack of all trades marketing person. Whereas in a Fortune 500 company, you're going to have to specialize. And so you really have to understand where you want to go or how you want to pursue your career to make sure you get the most out of it. Now, um, one I love I also loved how you're, you're talking about is it the right boss is it the right you know company what are some things as a marketer that you should be looking at you know before you apply or before that interview to see is it the right company is this the right organization I should be you know going into you know before I answer that really quickly on the jack of all trades thing what's interesting about that comment too even that has different definitions because you could be a, like somebody called me the other day a jack of all trades in content strategy. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I like that. But then I read their recommendation on LinkedIn. I was like, oh, I kind of like it. You know, yes, I do that. And it's really all encompassing. And then some companies, if you're the jack of all trades, that means you can send an email campaign, but maybe you're not the best writer, you know, and but you can repurpose it on social. So think about that too, when people say, what's the jack of all trades? We need a jack of all trades, like, but for what area? So, um, and now, since I answered that, I forgot the question. So the question is, when you're looking at 
um, an organization oh. to either apply to or you're about to interview, what are some key things that you should be looking at to see if it's going to be the right fit? It's really, really a, a difficult question or a different difficult process. So here's the reason why, because when you interview with people, I mean, there's many, many companies, they do, um, I would call them wide interviews, but not very deep interviews. Even when they claim they do deep interviews, you know, they do 30 minute interviews with people they show up eight minutes late and then they need to leave five minutes early because they have to go to the bathroom before their next meeting. So good luck trying to answer any questions in those interviews, right? It's going to be about them asking their questions. But even if you don't get to ask any questions, you can actually get a lot from how people talk to you, what words they use, their behavior. I'll give you an example. I know you guys won't see us on camera, but we're looking at each other, Jody and I, right, on, on camera. But if I was sitting like this, looking to the side, and I've literally done an interview like that, it's just super rude. It's weird. Like, why would somebody do that? It's a it's a sign of, I don't, I don't know if it's disrespect or just unprofessionalism, whatever it is, it's a red flag. Um, before you even get to the interview, you can certainly look on places like Classdoor. It's kind of interesting, though. I take those with a grain of salt. You know, sometimes company go, companies go in and they do have people, they ask people, oh, could you please leave a positive review? Uh, and if they're genuine, I guess it's fine. But on the other hand, it's something to keep in mind. Overly negative reviews, sometimes they're helpful, sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes they don't apply to your situation, you know, like somebody might say, oh, the leadership team is crazy and whatever. And you're like, you know, you're like 12 layers down. You will never deal with the leadership team. So it's just something to like, look at all those different things. Uh, Glassdoor, I think is the main one. There's probably other sites where you can look at um, what they do. If, depending on your role, it's always good to look at the company's website, you know, are they, is the website inclusive? Is it accessible? If you're a designer, especially, does it look good? Beautiful is not going to be, uh, it's not going to lead you to a lot of, it's, that's not the main thing that's going to get you business. But at the end of the day, you want it to look good. You want it to be a good brand. Now, if people try to bring you in to refresh the brand, that could be a red flag or it could be an opportunity, depending how you look at it, right? If they have 29 step processes for everything, good luck getting anything done ever. Um, but if you have some autonomy to get things done, so you want to ask about that if you can in those 30 seconds in the interview um, <laughs> that, that they left you for a question, try to figure that out. Um, but again, sometimes you can figure it out just by the questions they ask too, right? Like if people say, how do you handle a, a, a situation? Like this is their first question. How do you handle a situation when somebody comes by and say, hey, I drew up this thing. Could you make it look pretty as a designer? Like total red flag. I don't know any designer that would say that's not a red flag. I mean, if you are a designer and you disagree, at me, C-Trap on Twitter, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. But for the most part, I think designers want to be a little bit more involved than just making things somebody else drew on a napkin look pretty. Well, I think also there's this assumption that because that interview was only 15 minutes that you can't ask for more time when you absolutely can. Like if you are a runner, if you are a prime candidate and they want to extend an offer to have all your questions answered, it's okay to say, I need more time with that manager, or can I have a second interview? Cause I have some questions. So I think for me as throwing my HR hat on right now is to really emphasize to candidates, 
do not make a decision until you have all your answers, answers, all your questions answered. And it's okay to ask for additional time because if they want you on their team, they're going to give you that time. And if they don't, that my friend is also a red flag. Um, so I think there's a lot of different ways that a candidate allows a, a employer to not provide a good experience and they accept it when you don't have to. Um, so I think that, you know, a lot of what you provided was really good insight too. And I think that there's probably a lot of people who say, I want to be in marketing and then they realize they don't want to be in marketing. Are there, you know, <clears throat> certain ways to kind of dive into marketing before you get the job? Like, is there volunteer work or is there a way to get mentors or, or how would you suggest someone wanting to kind of see, is this for me? Well, I think back at the day when I tried to get into journalism after college, you know, what I did is I volunteered my time. I wrote articles for the local senior center. Um, I did other articles for websites at the time, which certainly were, were still a newer thing, but I just kind of did a lot of different things. The problem with volunteering your time for some of those things is um, they helped me to show them some experience, even though it was relatively negligible, but it didn't really give me a good idea of, oh, do I really want to go into journalism? Because any journalism job after that was nothing like that. So I think that is where that is the hard part in figuring all this out. Um, and I think it also depends on who who your team is, who your boss is, what their philosophy is, what's their communication style. You know, can you even get along with them? I mean, you all those things kind of go hand in hand. So I think that's a really, really hard question. And maybe that's part of the reason why people leave jobs relatively quickly, because there's really no way of, of trying that. I mean, you can ask, I don't know if, and if I've ever actually done this, but I've heard people, you know, they ask to talk to team members. Uh, one time I actually, I said, well, you know, could I talk to this one person? And they never let me. So that certainly is a red flag. Why can't I talk to that person? Like, is, are they just a jerk or whatever? I mean, you have me talk to six other people that you handpicked, but this one person seems to be important. So you can kind of get it from that. There's some companies, I think Automatic does this, maybe others. Automatic is a company that owns WordPress, that runs WordPress. And they have like a 30 day, maybe, I don't know what the right day number is, but they have a contract for like a certain amount of time. And then after that, they take you over as a full-time employee, a permanent employee, which is the craziest thing that anybody calls anything permanent in America because none of these jobs, most of these jobs are not permanent. They're at will. So just stop saying um, they're permanent jobs. The problem with that is if you have a job, why would you leave your job to work for 30 days to see if it might be a good fit? Um, so it's, it is easier said than done, all those different things. Uh, and there are ways to kind of get some of those red flags. Um, and sometimes there might not be any red flags. I remember a hire once and after it didn't work out, the hiring manager said to me, I'm not sure I saw any red flags based on what we know now. Like none of the answers would have shown that. None of the answers would have, you know, exhibited that behavior in the workplace. So it is certainly um, harder in practice than it is in theory. Yeah, it's a crapshoot, in my opinion, when you go through an interview process, because on both sides, 
you know, as a recruiter, I'm only, you know, like you said, I get 30 minutes with that, that candidate. I talk to them. I have some intuition. I have some, you know, hard facts that I get from them and the resume. And I make a determination to move it to the hiring manager. The hiring manager only has, like you said, so much time to talk to them. And then all of a sudden you're making a hiring decision. So yeah, there's always that chance that you will have a bad hire. And that's one thing I always talk to hiring managers about is shake it off. It happens to every one of us, just like it happens to a candidate. We will go into a company and realize, oh, this is not for me. This is not the right setting. And that is okay to end employment and find a better job because it's not worth being annoyed, cranky, and mad every day when you go into the company. Well, I mean, there's always things you can you can figure out too, but I think the problem is early on, if you have a new job, right, you're trying to figure out how does the company work? What works? What can you live with? I mean, it's kind of like any relationship, right? What relationship is perfect, but what stuff, for lack of a better term, can you put up with? You know, and I think it depends on your work environment, too. I mean, I don't go to an office, you know, but but when I work for companies that are remote or like even I mean, I remember one team which was completely remote from each other. This is many, many years ago. And and I don't think they got along very well, but they they got a lot of good stuff done. But since they not they weren't in each other's faces all day, like it worked for the most part. Um, and it's kind of interesting. So you have to figure out, you know, what's the right setup? What's the best setup? How does it work? Um, it is a crapshoot to an extent. But the problem is, and, and I know people leave jobs nowadays without having another job. But at the end of the day, you know, if we didn't have to work, would most of us work? I, I don't know if the answer to that is yes, probably not. Right. So at the end of the day, people are working because they have to because they got to make some kind of money. So it is it's a Yes, you have a choice, but, you know, at the end of the day, and then let's not go down this rabbit hole too far. But then at some point people say, oh, now they're just job hopping. Don't get me started on that. If, you know, if people say, oh, this marketer is job hopping, why would they stay? Give them a reason to stay. Do you have a pension? Do you give them more money? You know how people make more money nowadays by leaving their job and going to a new one because now they're going to give them way more money. Um, and so you got to weigh all those different things. Um, there is something to be said. What can you learn, right? If, especially if you're early in your career, I would put so much weight into that, especially early, early in, in, in your marketing career. Can I learn things from this person that I'm working for or the people I'm working with? Um, and I think that's easier to gather, right? You can look at their LinkedIn. You can look at how do they talk to you? Um the manager that doesn't give you any time to ask questions is probably not going to be the manager that will teach you much because they're really just focused on their own problems. But if they say things like, oh, how do you do that? Like, what's your philosophy? And like, you know, questions like that, that might be um, whatever the opposite of a red flag is, not a white flag for sure. But, you know, I love that you've put this book together to help someone niche into the marketing area, but also give ideas on how to look at some of the areas that you may not focus in when you niche into marketing, the hiring, your manager, your peers, things like that. Um, so Christoph, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. It's in my, it's my, in my wheelhouse, it's in my jam. So, um, you know, if someone wants to connect with you after this podcast, how can they do that? Yeah, pretty easy to find ChristophTrap.com. You can also just search for Christoph Trap. 
uh, on Twitter. I'm pretty active on their LinkedIn. If you do connect on LinkedIn, please say that you heard me on this show if you want to connect uh, straight up or you can just follow as well. Um, and yeah, really appreciate you reaching out. Any questions you have, certainly happy to answer them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the Booksmarts Business Podcast. You bet. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Booksmarts Business Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode with a friend. In the meantime, if you're interested in learning more about possibly becoming an author yourself, please visit OvernightAuthor.com for more information. Until next time.